Good morning. I want to say welcome to worship. Uh, this is St. John's United Methodist Church. For those of us joining us online this morning, I am Pastor Jeff Gaddisman, and we are uh, simulcasting, livecasting here from St. John's United Methodist Church here in Davenport, Iowa. Today is Pentecost, and, and if you're here and you look around and you see a little extra red, uh, that is the, the color, the theme of the day, the tongues of fire that descended upon the disciples in the upper room is a part of what we're remembering and recalling as we worship together today. And Pentecost was the birthday of the church. I would invite you to worship now. Today we celebrate the birthday of the church. When the day of, day of Pentecost, Pentecost came, the, the disciples, disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, they saw, saw what, what looked like, like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in the tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Todos fueron llenos del Espíritu Santo y comenzaron a hablar en diferentes lenguas según el Espíritu les concedía expresarse. 그들이 다 성령의 충만함을 받고 성령이 말하게 하심을 따라 다른 언어들로 말하기를 시작하니라. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Estaban de visita en Jerusalén, judíos paidosos procedentes de todas las naciones de la tierra. 그때 경건한 유대인이 천하 각국으로부터 와서 예루살렘에 머물러 있더니 A crowd came together in amazement because each one heard their own language being spoken. Al oír aquel bullicio, se agolparon y quedaron todos pasmados porque cada uno los escuchaba hablar en su propio idioma. 이 소리가 남해 큰 무리가 모여 각각 자기의 방언으로 제자들이 말하는 것을 듣고 소동하여 Amazed and perplexed, the crowd said to one another, What does this mean? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with your love. Open our eyes to see the presence of God all around us in the stillness of this sacred place, in the busyness and noise of our city street, in the joys and celebrations of our lives, 
in the tragedies and struggles that break our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, and comfort those who grieve. Grant them the peace that only you can bring. Stir within us a trust in life beyond death. As we ponder the mysteries of Christ's resurrection and on the hope have in new and everlasting life, come, Holy Spirit, and bring wholeness to the sick. Strengthen those who are weak, heal the wounded and broken, give rest to the weary. Come, Holy Spirit, and inspire our worrying world to seek peace, to love our enemies, to put away our weapons. Come, Holy Spirit, and ignite a fire in our bones, a passion for justice that cannot be quenched. Until all of your children are loved, until no one is marginalized or oppressed, until everyone has the opportunity to thrive, until the world is transformed and renewed. Come, Holy Spirit, inspire us with a crisis vision for a world reborn. Help us to recognize our gifts for ministry and to use them in service of others. Transform our hearts and our minds. Fill us with a love that overflows. Remind us that there is no greater calling than to love you with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. It is for your kingdom that we now pray, filled with your spirit, using the words Jesus Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 4, 7 through 13. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed, Jesus is a stone you build as rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. We come to Pentecost Sunday, and, and we hear the story about the power of the Holy Spirit, and yet I, I think we probably resonate more with, we've had the wind knocked out of us, the pandemic, the struggles, the difficulties at work, in our coming and going. And I know when I get tested, 
it, it tends to really set me down, and it takes a while to get my second wind. That's what had happened to the disciples. Jesus had died. Jesus had been resurrected. Jesus had been appearing to them off and on for 40 days, and then they saw him lifted up in a cloud, and, and he was gone. And it's been about 10 days since that. And so in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In Acts chapter 2, we have this incredible act of God. The Spirit comes, fills the disciples, and changes them. They, they suddenly become the bold witnesses that Jesus has been setting them up to be. Between the resurrection, between this day, though, um, they're kind of laid low. And I think about, I don't know if any of you have been long-distance runners. Anybody have a runner in their family? There is that sense, you know, you're, you're going, maybe you're in a 16-mile marathon, and, and there is a point where your body just says, I'm done. And yet, as a runner, you know that if you push through that, you can get your second wind. And the disciples are at that point. They've hit the wall. They're, they're huddled together still in the upper room, 120 people strong, and yet they're in hiding. They're hiding in prayer. Their attitude is, God, we, we're here, we're, we're waiting, but we don't know for what. And then we have this act of God. And contrary to what our insurance policies say and, and our own experience with derechos and storms and floods, acts of God are not necessarily those natural calamities that derail us from time to time. The book of Acts is full of supernatural acts of God, and that's where we're going to go today. Peter and John are, are a little different. They're, they're suddenly full of courage and confidence after Pentecost, and they began to move out into the community, and, and day by day, um, they, they meet needs, and they're confronted by this lame man, and Peter somehow suddenly just says, stand up and walk. And incredibly, the man does. And there are those who cheer, and there are those who question. Uh, not every act of God you know, steamrolls all the, the skeptics and the objections. The resurrection of Jesus didn't. This miracle didn't. And so the act of God meets resistance. The act of God um, has some back and forth. And, and so in the moment, uh, Peter and John are arrested. And then as they're being questioned, they, they make the statement that uh, was read a moment ago for the Scripture in Acts chapter 4, if you're wondering by what power we were able to make this man stand, it's in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Christ. And the last verse comes down to these unschooled ordinary men were, we are astonished. And, and somebody said, take note. They, they seem to be some of those that were with Jesus. Now, where was the last time somebody accused Peter of having, aren't you one of those with Jesus? It wasn't a good night. Jesus is on trial. Peter's kind of around the edges on the outside, and, and a servant says, say, aren't you one of those that were with Jesus? And Peter denies it. And another comes up, just a lowly person also on the outside of all the action. Weren't you one of those? And Peter says, no, I don't even know the man. So this 
comment is interesting in light of that. You're one of those, you're both one of those that have been with Jesus. It wasn't like you're that guy that was a coward. It wasn't like, John, you're that one that ran. How is it that they've been with Jesus? What's the notable trait that is different? Because the scribe that caught that phrase, it wasn't, oh, you're like those guys back there before the crucifixion. It's like you're like Jesus when he lived and moved among us. You've caught something that he had, and Peter and John are changed, and that's the witness of the Holy Spirit. That's the acts of the apostles. They begin to move with courage and with boldness. And I would like to say that I think it's the, it's the authority of Jesus that has rubbed off. The Holy Spirit has filled them and empowered them that now they begin to do the things that Jesus did just like he said they would. Jesus, who, who commanded demons to flee, who told people, stand, and said, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. The Jesus who did those things, it's been transferred through the Spirit into Peter and John and all the other apostles, and they begin to do those things too, and people begin to kind of note, these all have been with Jesus, and they're different. So we who wear the name of Christ, how is it that people bump up against us? Do they go away saying, oh, wow, that, that person feels like Jesus? You know, when, to be honest, when, when I bump up against somebody and there's a disagreement or an argument, or at least at my house, I know Susan never says, oh, you must have been with Jesus this morning. Um, you know, that's not what, you, and those of you that maybe have been in a disagreement with you, I, you don't usually go away with this warm feeling of challenge, and yet I'm right. Probably not. Uh, and that's my confession, that, that when we bump up against another person, no matter what their faith commitment is, we, we don't necessarily spill out God's grace. We, we probably have a little bit of sharp tongue, get out of my business, and the other person feels stung and they don't end the day going, wow, that was a follower of Jesus I had a fight with today. John and Peter have a fight. They're, they're in trial, being charged, and yet they answer with courage and with boldness. They don't necessarily, you know, humble themselves and walk out and say, you know, we, we promise never to do that again. They don't. And yet they're allowed to walk away to do it again and again and again. So when life goes out of control, when we clash with those around us, that's not time for us to, to repent and give up. That's precisely when our faith can be visible. Maybe we come back and we reconcile and apologize. When, when life runs over us and the next derecho-like tragedy occurs, that's when your faith becomes visible. That's not when we cash it all in and say, well, I guess it doesn't seem to matter that I am worshiping Christ and I'm trying to be faithful. It's when you get run over, what squishes out, what is going to be seen, and what will people say? Are you someone who's been with Jesus? That's really hard. I mean, we can feel filled, we can feel full, at the end of today, and yet we tend to leak. 
Any amens? I know you're all Methodist, you know. Is there any amens out there? You know, I mean, I leak. I've had mountaintop experiences. I've had times where I feel really full of Jesus Christ and God's grace. And just a couple days later, it's all gone somewhere. It's leaked. And it's not my shoes. You know, I don't, they're not tight enough. It's not that. It's just our human nature. Stuff happens. So Jesus gave his followers a promise. If you wait, the Holy Spirit will come. And then he gave them an assignment. I need you in that fullness to go out into Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole world. And that assignment is still in effect as followers of Christ. That transfers to us. And today we actually have a chance to go, to go out and, and to, to meet our community on a Sunday morning as we serve. Maybe uh, today doesn't work for you. Uh, on the insert, the flyer, there is a new line at the very end under random acts of kindness. Maybe you want to do one on your own. Maybe your time is tomorrow. Maybe you'll have a moment on Thursday. Just because you don't meet with us at 10, don't just say, I guess I'm not going to do anything. And if you have a selfie moment, take a picture and let us know. God is very creative, and God's people can be very creative in how they serve and how we might share our witness, not just this week, not just today. Maybe as you go out, we're at the beginning of the travel season, and you can take Jesus with you. And maybe you go on a trip, and you have a chance to be Jesus to somebody you meet along the way. So did the disciples do what Jesus commanded? They waited, they were filled, and maybe they kind of went out, but they didn't get very far. They, they went to Jerusalem, and then they stayed. They went to Jerusalem, the outskirts, and they went home. And and the going on to the next town wasn't something they remembered. As good as Pentecost was, as powerful as the day of Pentecost was, as, as incredible as that launch was, they never left home. They never went away until a season of persecution and pain began to come. So as delightful as the birthday of the church is, as, as incredible as this supernatural move of God was, it was put into effect when they began to hurt and die for their faith. So the fullness of the Holy Spirit isn't that party that we camp out at, and then we, we're just like, I enjoy being filled, I enjoy this, this sense of my tank is full of gas. It also seems to meet resistance because there is another force in the world, and this is not a political thing. We, we see the political wrangling in our culture right now, but in God's Word, in the spiritual realm, as God's mission is enacted, there is a very real force opposing. And for the disciples, persecution and death compelled them to go out. There were three things that, that resulted in their fulfilling of, let's go, the power of the Holy Spirit, but then it was difficulty, and when the threat of death finally came close, they ran. And as they ran, they moved, they went, they traveled, and they took Christ with them. They took the message of Jesus with them. But human nature really works against the going out part of God's mission, the same circumstances have caused Christianity to spread in some of the most restricted countries of the world today. Uh, 
We don't hear this very often. You know, China's in the, the news a lot right now, but not for anything in the category of acts of God at all. Uh, George Barna is a Christian researcher, and, and 10 years ago he said, there will come a day where China will be the most Christian nation in the world. It doesn't mean Christian majority, but at the rate of spread uh, in 10 years, it's predicted that there might be 300 million Christians in China, 300 to 1.3 billion, so nowhere near a majority. But I, I wonder at what point would 300 million followers of Christ cause that nation to begin to act differently amongst its own citizens, maybe. Within our own lifetime, many of us can remember some of these events. In 1948, uh, communism, new leaders in China, Christianity is banned, uh, pastors are exported, uh, missionaries told to leave, church leaders are imprisoned, uh, schools, seminaries, everything canceled, shut down, and their goal was to eliminate this option from their culture. There were about two million Christians in China in 1948. When uh, Mao Zedong left power 40 years later, there were about 67 million Christians in China. Today, there are over 80 million legal Christians. There's a state-sanctioned church, and there are millions and millions and millions of others who meet in homes, in kind of the underground church. But that really doesn't ever make the news, does it? And I just lift that up because it's there and it's real, and it's a testimony that the more pressure exerted, the more committed people seem to come. Faith is often made more visible when it's tested. There was a Chinese pastor who was arrested and thrown into prison, and the persecution followed even into his incarceration. Uh, he was threatened, and he's like, well, what more can they do to me? And he still maintained his faith, and he found out what more they could do. Uh, there was one job reserved as a, an extreme punishment for anybody out of line within the prison, and it was the, the stirring of the sewage pond. Anybody uh, falling out of favor with the guards would be sentenced to a week of mixing that pond with their body, walking back and forth through the sludge. And yet even in that punishment, this pastor did not give up his faith. And actually he found a new level of freedom because you know, the guards would deliver him to the edge and leave. And in that aloneness, he said, I could still sing. I'm not sure what it feels like to take a deep breath and sing in that setting, but he began to sing, I come to the garden alone. He was very much alone, and his garden was not a garden at all, but he said, uh, he walks with me and talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own, and he sang and lifted up praise to God, and God met him there in this uh, discipled, committed leader for the church was refined like gold in the fire. We've had our own trials in our country. A year ago um, on Pentecost Sunday, much was going wrong in our country. On Memorial Day weekend, I was in Minneapolis, had no clue of what was about to happen, left, came home, and it was the next day when, when the news just exploded with uh, George Floyd had been killed. And, and the riots were spreading and going from town to town. And, and a week later was Pentecost. 
So Pentecost was late, and on that day, I remember thinking, God, would you, would you ever do anything in the midst of this ferment, in the midst of all this pain? And last weekend, we were there at my oldest son's church, and they had a couple sharing. They sat on Pentecost asking that same question, God, can you do something in the midst of all this hurt? And God spoke to both of them, husband and wife, and said, yes, and I want you to go to the corner where George Floyd was killed, and I want you to stand and share the message of reconciliation. They didn't know God had called each of them, but when they shared, they're like, they, they felt this courage and boldness welling up inside. Uh, their family wasn't quite sure that this would be God. And yet, uh, after a year, their testimony last week was, we've been to 70 different cities, and we continue to, to challenge the people towards reconciliation. And so there, there's nothing the government can do to make you reconcile with your neighbor. That's an act of God in the human heart. And what was unique about their story was as they took Jesus to the midst of, of all that um, chaos and, and anger, the husband is black, and he was more than welcome to stand. And, and, and as they went to that corner, many of the marches would conclude there. And as people were figuring out you know, where their stuff was and gathering and getting ready to go and disperse, uh, he began to talk. And, and some shouted him down, but there was a few that would nudge him and say, we need your word. We need to hear what you have to say. And somebody followed and said, we all need to hear. And they found him a mic, and somebody said, we need to see you more. And they found him a platform. And when he finished, his wife, who is white also stood up to talk. She wasn't received quite so well. But she said to the church last week, she said, I think our message was solid. As a, a mixed couple, we had learned to navigate our differences, and we wanted to be the picture of how can people of different colors actually get along. And it was a hard message, but the same voices that said, I, I think we need to hear her husband also step up beside her to be a little bit of a protection and, and to kind of be a barrier between the hecklers. And after 70 cities, she said, I kind of found my voice and we persisted. And we want to be a picture of, of racial reconciliation for this country. And in all the news reports, I don't know that they ever caught a camera. I don't know that our media knows necessarily what to do with the message of Jesus Christ. But they said, you know, the most receptive neighborhoods were the, the Somali neighborhoods. They're Muslim believers. They came here to get away from war. They came here to avoid bloodshed. And they said after the initial surge, most people really did want to live in peace in their city, in their neighborhood, with their neighbors. And just like China... We, we don't get to see what's happening behind closed doors, but the Spirit of God is at work in our country and also around the world, and God often gives courage to step into the most uh, difficult circumstances, and so if you're ever asking the question, God, what are you going to do here? Listen. It may be followed up with an answer, I'd like you to go here, maybe let's pray. God, I, I pray that you would blow among us again, that you would breathe on us your Holy Spirit, 
You are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome on this day. And we need your filling because uh, we're all too human and all too often we leak. And so we welcome your breath among us today. Amen. We're all going somewhere. Wherever you're going takes you. Uh, Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and go with the mission of Christ at your side. Amen. Amen.